Deuteronomy chapter 6, the first 12 verses. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me, Moses, to teach you, God's chosen people, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So far this reading of God's word. Thanks, Jim. As uh, we said earlier, I'm calling uh, May Mayhem Month, uh, as we have four baptisms and Mother's Day uh, in there. And so that over the coming weeks, uh, coming month, we're going to be uh, looking at this theme of uh, family discipleship. Uh, what does uh, moving people in following Christ look like um, from a family context? So uh, over the coming weeks, we're going to use a little bit of this uh, Deuteronomy passage uh, to explore that. We're going to obviously look at Mother's Day and the influence that mothers and uh, parents have. We're going to look at walking and talking discipleship. We're going to look at question and answer discipleship. Uh, we're going to look at families in mission on discipleship um, over the coming month. So it's going to be a good one. So uh, lock it in your diaries and uh, maybe be exploring some of this stuff around Deuteronomy 6 and thinking about uh, how discipleship expresses itself in you and your family. And so as we begin this, uh, I just wanted to uh, just nail some ideas around family definitions. Because often when we put, out, um, put up family and we're going to talk about family discipleship, I guarantee you usually a few things happen, and that's uh, the youth and young adults switch off because they think it's for the parents. Um, and for those who might be older and retired, well, that's for the young people. And we sort of think that this family idea is really just for Keith and Susie. Um, and people with, you know, little kids or stuff like that. But I think we know, and, and if we think about it, and I just want you to remind you this morning, that the Bible presents a much broader uh, picture of what family is about. And so uh, in it, we get this idea that uh, there's this family unit 
we get the husband, a wife, uh, children, uh, that's sort of at the core of um, this passage and, and the Bible. But we also get this picture of an extended family, which we've seen in action a little bit this morning, that we have grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins uh, that are involved in this process of um, getting to know God. But we also know that this idea of family is very much descriptive of the church um, and that the church community becomes known as a family. Or you may have experienced this in other places where you might have it in your sporting club or in your work, that you get this idea of close relationship that happens together, that I'm part of my work family, I'm part of my sporting family, that here in that place, what do you th think about what that might mean for you, whether you're young, old, whether you have children or don't? And then as we go through here, um, as we consider that, uh, there's all people in all sorts of different phases and experiences of family. And so we have the family unit, which I want to understand is a gift given from God to his people, where he seeks to display himself and reveal himself. It's a gift, but it in itself has its own unique needs. That how do husbands and wives love each other and show each other the love of Christ? And what do they need to be able to do that? How do parents seek to nurture their children? How are Keith and Susan going to show Charlie what it means to be a follower of Jesus? There are people here today who are in um, the, era, the area of uh, singleness, that your singleness uh, is a gift from God uh, with its own unique uh, needs and requirements as well. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that he calls some people to singleness, um, so they'll never be married, and that's uh, God's gift uh, and calling for them as well. And that um, marriage is not the epitome of the peak of family. You can actually be single and just as part of a vital family um, idea that God gives us in his words. And in that idea of singleness, we know there's unique needs in there as well that people are looking for lifelong partners and working out how to do this and trying to find their own identity and things like that as well. Uh, in our midst, there are people who have single parent families. Uh, and uh, you might think a gift with unique needs, what? Uh, we obviously understand that uh, the single parented families have needs and, and uh, um, requirements. But also there's an element of gift in that. I was thinking about it. Uh, one... It might be that you're not living in the stress uh, of an abusive relationship anymore. Two, uh, actually uh, being single gives you a certain amount of freedom that you don't have when you're married. And these two, like, there, is, there are elements of that that uh, is uh, to be celebrated as well as realising that there are unique needs in that. There are childless families and families which uh, God hasn't given children. They're no less a family, but there is a gift there in that you have the freedom as a husband and wife uh, not to rear children. And that can be used in the kingdom in vital ways as a gift that God gives to uh, the world as well. Blended families as well, uh, as people get remarried, God allows that to happen and is uh, quite happy for that. And that's a blessing and a gift to those in it, but also that brings its own unique needs as well. And so I want us to have this broad understanding of what it means to be family when we're considering this whole idea of um, family discipleship. 
and that in the context of this and as we celebrate baptism, we're understanding that this is the context by which God reveals his hope and his grace in these situations where we know are by far from perfect, where we need his strength and his courage to be able to get through this. We go to the next slide. I want us to ask this question. Who discipled Jesus and what did that look like? (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? Who discipled Jesus? How did Jesus become a follower of Yahweh? Because that's what the Jews were. They were followers of God. That's what we read in Deuteronomy. This is how I want you to learn to follow my laws or to follow and be a follower of me. Because I think sometimes we think, that Jesus, well, he was God, so it just sort of all happened to him. All of a sudden, I don't know, he just woke up and he knew everything. But did it, really? Is that what, have you thought about that Jesus was discipled? That Jesus actually had to learn. Uh, it says uh, in Luke chapter 2, 52, that Jesus, as he was participating in stuff, uh, grew in wisdom and stature. He actually had to read and study and learn. And where did he learn that? Well, he learned it in the context of a family unit. He learned it in the context of an extended family. John the Baptist probably had a big role in in discipling Jesus. That was his cousin. Elizabeth and Zechariah were probably contributing there as well. And he had a broader synagogue community that helped him be discipled as well. I think that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because then we can understand that God knows what it's like to be discipled. (laughs) He understands uh, our context. And how did they disciple him? Well, they did what God asked them to. God had given them laws and commands, and I said, do this, obey this, live this way, and you will come to know me um, and... um, who I am, and my laws. And so, it's interesting, as I was thinking about this, I actually read through uh, Luke chapter 2 this week, and as I was reading through this, I just saw how Mary and Joseph were discipling Jesus. And it says there in Luke chapter 2, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, they went to the temple and they had him circumcised, and he was named Jesus. Why was he named Jesus? because they were obedient to what God had asked them to do. And in verse 22, when the time of purification come, according to the law, so Mary and Joseph were living out the law. They were doing the things that God had asked them to do. And when the uh, the parents brought the child um, Jesus to do for them what was the custom of the law, they presented him at the temple. Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, it says. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom. And so I think about that as the context of us as a family and discipling. And even as you think about Charlie, that over the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, as we do what God has asked us to do, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus and live that out, he too will get to know the practices and traditions of this community so that he will come to know God and live with Jesus as well. 
And so as we, uh, as a community, embrace Charlie as one of our own, we too are thinking about, how am I going to disciple him? Because Jesus has commanded us to go and make disciples. And he has put someone in our path this morning, Charlie. <laughs> and I want us to think about this over the next month. What's that going to look like? Uh, so whether in Old Testament times or New Testament times, the goal of what God uh, was doing was to have his people follow him, to live with him, to live under this uh, covenant, uh, to, to practice what it meant to be followers of Yahweh or God oh, and of Jesus. And that parents were the primary means of that, but it was also broader, extended, and the church community. And to recognize that it was a long-term, probably hard journey to see people come into that relationship with God. And so we recognize, if we go to the next slide, that um, the family is uh, God's building block of society. And today, a little bit, you're going to sort of get an overarching view. Um, and then over the coming weeks, we're going to dig down into this a little bit more deep, deeper and, and practically. And so we have this idea that the God's uh, building block of society is there. And that's why we still need to um, maintain it and stand firm in it today. It's a place which this uh, chapter that uh, Jim had read for us tells us. It's a place where people will come to know God and how to live with him well to enjoy life and to live in the fullness of God's promises. It's the living out of God's covenant promises that he will be our God and that we will be his people. And it was for you and your children. So they got to experience the blessing of living under this covenant as they lived in this family environment. And families become an expression of God to the world. As the Israelites lived out what God had asked them to do, the nations around them got to see who God was. So think about that for your family, for this church family, that the way you love each other, the way you follow Jesus, the way you obey him becomes a display of God to the world. And we get that really in Ephesians 4, don't we? Where the way husbands and wives love each other is a display of the way Christ loved the church. And so here too, as we uh, disciple in this family of families, in this community, in our units, in our extended or in the, the church, we become an expression of God to the world. If we go to the next slide. That God's covenant words, because so, how did they know how to live? This context of Deuteronomy 6 is the Ten Commandments. It's the law. God told them how to live. Uh, and he said, I've designed you, I know how you work, and I am giving you these laws so that it may go well with you, so that you would live life well in this world. Uh, I know what's best for you. And so they come commandments and decrees, and if you think about the Ten Commandments, are to show us uh, how to live with God and with each other. And he says, I want them written on your hearts. I want them impressed on your children. I want you to be careful not to forget God who saved you. So that, and out of this pa passage in Deuteronomy 6, these three things. This becomes the why of family discipleship, which I want to focus on this morning. This is the why we want to do it. 
We want to do it so people will come to know and fear God. God has chosen us as families to display himself to people. It's the primary way that God reveals himself is through his people. He wants us to obey his commands, live this way, so that it may go well with you. God wants you to have, that's what the passage said, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy life. That doesn't necessarily mean that life is going to be a bed of roses. And this is why Jesus can say that for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. And so this idea that God actually wants to get you through hard times, to get you through uh, difficult situations, there is this sense that life can actually be good in that. Whatever may come. And he wants you to have a free an enjoyable life. An enjoyment there is a sense of contentment, a, content of, a sense of peace, a sense of hope, a sense of grace and love. And I don't know uh, if you read to the end of uh, chapter 6, we didn't get there. Uh, it says also, so that you may gain righteousness. And righteousness there means so that you may be right with God. And so he lays out the law and it says, if you obey this, this is how you're going to be right with God. That line there should start to get you concerned. Surely you've got to start to ask, well, how can I be right with God? Because I don't do what he asks. So we need to think about uh, where that's going to go. Go to the next slide. Because as we head into the New Testament, and this is what we've been talking about as a church in the last, we get the idea that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus reveals himself as the living word, as the way, the truth, and the life. And that he comes and he fulfills the law, i.e. he perfectly obeyed all of the Ten Commandments and he showed us how that looked. And in, he then also obeyed and um, fulfilled the obligations of the sacrificial system, the way that the Old Testament dealt with their, their sin. And so Jesus fulfills the law, brings in a new covenant, meets the requirements of those who have broken the covenant so that we can be in a right relationship with God. So that Charlie, even though he doesn't fully understand it, can be a recipient of his promises uh, through Christ who perfectly obeyed the law and then sacrificed himself in our place. And the other thing that Jesus does as he, does, as he comes in and in, in institutes this new covenant, he expands the family. So it goes much less from just a Jewish nation to anyone can come into this family. And the Gentiles or anyone can be part of this family. And he expands it. It's quite interesting as I was going through. The New Testament and Jesus very rarely talk about the family unit, husband, wife, child. Very rarely so the idea of that, that idea of family get talked about. It talks much more about the church family. And where do you get this? Remember when Jesus was doing his work and people said, oh, your family's outside? Remember your mother and brothers and sisters? And what did Jesus answer? He said, here, the people that I'm with are my brothers, sisters and mother. He redefines family. <laughs> Yeah, he was part of a family unit, and that was still sort of all part of um, the big picture. But he expands and gives depth 
to the broader sense of what it means to be part of the church family and the Christian family. And so why did Jesus bring these things? Jesus uh, continually said, I'm bringing the kingdom to come. So he wanted also people to fear and know God. He wanted them to experience God, know who God was. Why did he come? He wanted you to have life to the full. He wanted you to enjoy uh, life and have the peace and comfort of what it meant to be known as a child of God. And this is the other thing, that third one. What does he do? He also brings righteousness. So in the Old Testament, righteousness, being right with God, was met by obeying the law. They implemented the sacrificial system that sort of dealt with that and pointed forward to Jesus. And then Jesus comes and dies on the cross, rises again, takes the weight of punishment of sin on him so that you may be right with God. And if you know Romans chapter 3, it says, there is no one who is right with God because we've all sinned and fall short in the glory of God. And then it says, but there is a righteousness apart from the law. And that righteousness comes through Jesus, who perfectly obeyed the law. Okay, get this. He perfectly obeyed the law and then gave it to you. So God now views you as people who have perfectly obeyed the law. Because remember, he says, there's nothing that separates my love for those who believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins. So you now, in the eyes of God, are perfect. You're, it's as if you have perfectly obeyed the law. He knows that as we go on, we've still got this battle with the old nature. And what does Jesus do? As he rises to heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is the power that enables his children to live this out. It is this power that is going to enable us to live out the law of God. And this is what Jesus does. I don't know if you've noticed this. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it sort of reflects back to Deuteronomy 6, where they were given the law on the Mount. Jesus then brings a Sermon on the Mount. And you know what he does there? You think that law was tough to keep. I'll tell you something. If you think that murder is about physically killing someone, no, it's actually about thinking bad thoughts, murderous thoughts in your mind. If you just look at someone lustfully, it's as if you've committed adultery. You, you, you want to love your neighbour? No, I say love your enemies, those who persecute you. You see what Jesus does? He raises the bar. And so all of us sit here and think, how can we do this? And as part of his point, he says, you can't. You can't do this. My spirit will come upon you and enable you to do that. And my death and resurrection and ascension will wash away where you haven't done that. You need to be dependent on me. There is a righteousness now that comes through me. You need to put your faith in me. And that's what Charlie is going to experience as he lives in Keith and Susan's house, as he attends curry nights, as he comes here. He needs to know that, both in word and deed. If we go to the next slide. So the question is, who will disciple Charlie? Keith and Susan have been given priority number one for that. 
as I've just said, with extended family, aunts, uncles, almas, great almas, <laughs> a part of that as well. The church family. We need to teach him and show him how to obey Jesus, how to follow Jesus, how to live with Jesus. He needs to come to know why these promises are true for him. As we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we do mission with him. <laughs> why? Because Charlie needs to know and fear God. He needs to come into a relationship with God. Why? Because we want Charlie to be able to live a good life. We want Charlie to be able to live a life full of joy and freedom and peace and power. <laughs> Just as God desires that for you. We want him to know <laughs> the righteousness that comes through Jesus. We want him to know that Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law <laughs> so that he can be known as a child of God and live with God forever. And so we're going to read Bible stories to him. We're going to teach him. We're going to explain to him. We're going to show him <laughs> this truth. And what does this look like? Be here in the next four weeks. That's where we're going to unpack, unpack what this looks like. I just want to give you a sort of overarching picture of, of what this, sort of the big picture of it. Over the next four weeks, we're going to dig down into this a little bit more deeply, a little bit more practically of what that looks in our everyday lives. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Let me pray. Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you so loved us that you sent your son to this earth for us. We thank you that you have given us families, that you have displayed yourself, whether it be through our own uh, immediate family unit, whether it be through extended family, or whether it be through church family. Uh, we have come to see you and experience you. And so we ask this morning that you would help us to respond in faith to that that we would uh, accept you as our Lord and Saviour, that we would know the hope, freedom, grace and love that is ours through Jesus Christ. Lord, that again this morning that we would be reminded of the God that you are and that we would be reminded and convicted of the people that we are through Jesus, children of the living God, dearly loved, delighted in. Lord, will you help us to follow your ways? Holy Spirit, come upon us with power that we may be able to live out your ways. Holy Spirit, come upon us with power to convict us of your forgiveness, of your grace, of your hope for when we haven't lived this out. And will you convict us of a hope and a joy and a peace as we walk into the next part of our lives. Holy Spirit, may we more and more be followers of Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Keith and Susan uh, particularly chose out this song. And it's uh, 10,000 Reasons. And we want to celebrate... <laughs> The 10,000 reasons, the, the promises of God that uh, we 
have seen in baptism, but we know in our lives as well. So will you stand with me and let us worship our God, worship our Father, worship our Dad as the one who is uh, provider for us as his family. Let's sing. <laughs>